0: Welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. My name is Cara and I am the host of this show. Now, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are a new listener, you are very welcome. Thank you so much for being here. And if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for coming back. I hope you're all keeping well. I have followed Lynn's journey with the upcycle movement for so long now. What she does is just amazing, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. Thank you so much for anyone who shared and got in touch about last week's or two weeks ago's episode with Neve and Joe from Bambooth. A lot of people got in touch to say they've made the switch to bamboo toothbrush already and they've no regrets and all this kind of thing which is great to hear so thank you y'all so much and if you haven't listened to it already go back and check that episode out after you listen to this one and as always share this podcast Recommend it to a friend, rate it and review it if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That would be really helpful. And if you would like to support this podcast, if you're here for maybe just one or two episodes, you can buy me a coffee on buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves. Or if you're in a position that you couldn't contribute regularly, I do have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash book of leaves. If you can sign up for one or two or ten euro a month, whatever you can do, and that will all go towards the podcast hosting fees and then maybe some coffees on top of that if there is any left over. Thank you so much to my regular patrons already. I appreciate you guys so so much and for anyone else who's contributed to the podcast and shared it of course. Now this as I said I've followed Lynn in the Upcycle movement for so long. She's an absolute superstar. If there was millions of Lynns in the world it would be such a better place. She is an amazing woman and after the interview she sent me one of her neo- purses coin pouches as a thank you and it's just she's just so kind and I love it so much because I told her when we were chatting I was like oh I've got a purse that's falling to bits and when it completely falls apart I'm going to buy one of yours and she was like just send me your dress I'll send you one anyway so thank you so much Lynn I love it so much and I keep showing it to people being like have you seen my purse there's not a whole lot in it but it's made of an upcycled wetsuit so I just love it so much and she's just so kind and I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed chatting to Lynn and she also listens to the episodes regularly so thank you Lynn and yeah basically what Lynn is all about is upcycling and waste kind of management finding new things to do with our waste and we'll chat all about it and the main kind of thing that she does deal with if anyone hasn't heard of the upcycle movement before is in upcycling wetsuits. This fits very well into Plastic Free July as well. Looking at things in a new light and finding new purposes for old things. So we'll talk all about that. But just make sure that you stick around for the show notes because there's a few things that I want to touch on. And I will chat to you guys then. But in the meantime, here is Lynn and I hope you guys enjoy. I'll talk to you in a bit. Thank you so much, Lynn, for taking some time to come inside on this really sunny day to talk to me on Book of Leaves. So I'm so happy to finally have you here. Oh,
1: it's so lovely. And I'm really honoured, genuinely, to be on this as well. So thank you for asking me.
0: Ah, you're, I think, based in Wexford, are you? Or have you got any links to Wexford?
1: Well, no, I'm from Dublin. I'm from Kalini in Dublin. And um, I've been living down in Wexford for the last two or three years. So you know, links really except that I'm just living down here now, and I love it. I actually love it. The beaches are beautiful down here, and um, it's just nice to be to feel a little bit more connected to nature as well than in, in Dublin. Yeah. And
0: um, um, but come here, we'll get into things. I don't want to keep you from getting your vitamin D for too long. <laughs> you are behind the upcycle movement, which is an amazing business, and there's so it's so much more than just. For selling upcycle things there's so much kind of education and uh, inspiration involved on all your platforms and your website and everything as well but i guess for anyone who might not know the difference can you start off by explaining what the difference is between recycling yeah, and upcycling and this is
1: probably one of the questions i get most commonly asked as well um and it's really commonly confused um because while the, the two of them are keeping things out of landfill essentially which is brilliant The main difference is the process and how they do that. So to recycle something, like if you think about plastic bottles that are recycled into a T-shirt, for instance, which we see an awful lot of at the moment. That's a huge process that those bottles go through from getting from a plastic bottle into a fiber. It's, you know, there's there's different resources that go into it. So energy, heat and chemicals sometimes in order to break it down um, and then reform it into something else. And a lot of the time recycle things have maybe other fibers added into them to give them strength because recycling is also commonly known as downcycling for that reason. And the process often makes it of a lesser quality eventually, whereas upcycling, on the other hand, the up means, you know, it's adding value, it's increasing value and it's increasing the lifespan as well. So that's where the up in upcycling comes from. Um, and it's a bit of a kinder in my opinion a kinder process as in you're just reimagining reinventing something um, and prolonging its life in that way and so the process is basically the main difference yeah
0: end. yeah that no, makes total sense one of them it takes a lot of energy to turn yeah. into something and it's of lesser value whereas upcycling there's less energy obviously in waste kind of then involved with the new the new product Um for yeah. sure and what then were you always aware of of waste was it always something kind of concerning you or was there a certain moment that in your life that you became more eco-conscious um
1: yes and no i i think i've i definitely have had an upbringing that has we've always been brought up to you know respect what we have and repair what we have um appreciate and value what we have Um, And a lot of it, I think, comes down to that. And also a huge part of it would be my dad is really inventive. He's really, you know, he's always tipping away in his shed and he's always making something out of what he had. And I definitely think that the way I think is a lot down to that. But the main thing or like, I suppose, a a little bit of a light bulb moment, if you want to call it that, was when my brother gave me a Christmas present of a bag in 2005, it would have been. um, And that it was made from a tent from the tsunami relief it was like a tsunami relief rescue tent from the tsunami that hit Asia in 2004 and it says on it and I actually have it here for the people who are watching on YouTube it says on it we've moved on help us carry our tents it's a tsunami relief bag so I still have um and it's a it's a cool little bag but I suppose it was kind of the pivotal moment where I thought much broader you know because that bag it was made by I suppose, widows who had lost everything at the time, they'd lost family members, their maybe their work that they were doing, you know, their homes, all these things. And when they were ready to move on to the next stage of their life, um, they saw an opportunity to turn these tents that they had been staying in into something to help them get money to move on. And I, I, I guess it kind of just made me think on such a bigger level, how much of an impact that has environmentally, socially and economically, that it just makes sense to use what we have you know so that was definitely a huge changing point for me in terms of looking at everything as a resource for something new I think as well maybe that comes back to what I'm doing now I'd love people to receive the products that I have and think you know sort of have a moment where they're like wow you know that kind of means so much more than it's just fulfilling a purpose or whatever
0: yeah it makes them think a little bit it's not just a generic yeah. bag that hundreds of other people can get in a shop like it's it yeah. usually it's more a unique item as well yeah um they're usually one of a kind which is yeah. amazing but I think
1: sorry no, yeah, no, no but I do think that, that was a, a sort of a moment that I kind of thought about it more so um and I've always had an entrepreneurial streak as well I've always been you know even as a kid I remember and I was thinking about this as a kid, me and my friend across the road, um, Jane, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying it, we used to have little, you know, sales outside the house of whatever we had, or we'd make things and stuff and have, have a sale outside the gate, like a lot of kids probably do, and always donated it to the DSPCA, um, or there was always a reason for it, rather than, you know, just to make profit or something. Um, or we'd make fudge and go around door to door. I remember we had... The road I grew up on was called Glenalua Road. So we had a magazine one time called Glenelua Gossip and it was all the news stories of you know what was going on with the neighbors and someone's cat is lost or whatever. And we so like I think that's always been in me too. I'm always looking out for opportunities or you're
0: like an entrepreneur yeah. almost. That's brilliant. hundred
1: <laughs> percent yeah. And I love it. And I love that whole the whole vibe of, of the entrepreneurial world as well. And I I think um once you sort of step into it and start to look for opportunities. And in my case, it's it's waste opportunities. Like trying to identify waste streams, matching them with somebody who can do something about it or figuring out a solution myself or something. And I love that. I really, I really do.
0: So what's your background in? did you then study business or what kind of path were you on before upcycle movement? Yeah I
1: was so I did interior design in college actually so when I left school I always wanted to do something creative for sure and I love interiors and anything to do with interior design so I did that in college and then went into the property market actually after that where I was a letting negotiator for about six years in Dublin and during my time there I kind of I was frustrated at all the properties that weren't shifting because just they maybe didn't look very nice, and there was a few simple things that you could do to make them prettier, basically. So I used to stage properties for that. Long story short, I ended up kind of leaving or or doing the um, letting negotiator as part time and bringing in my own thing and um, restyling and yeah, kind of doing up properties for the sales and rental market for the company I worked with, and that was great because everyone it was everyone was a winner, you know, because I got to do my creative stuff and the properties were actually shifting a bit faster as well. And then from that, to be honest, I kind of was a little bit frustrated in how much stuff could be deemed invaluable. Um, And I would always be like, oh, because the landlords, you know, they might say, oh, we'll get rid of that sofa because there's this wrong with everything. I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, we could do something with that. We can fix it. We can repair it. We can you know, we cover it and I'd go off to YouTube and I'd learn, you know, how to I reupholster this? So that kind of was, a again, another kind of point in this direction as well, where I was then discovering lots of other people who were doing things and how to do things and how to mend and repair and upcycle. And that's when the term upcycle kind of came into my world as well, where I hadn't heard of it before, I suppose. And I was thinking, why oh, right, you know, there's so many people doing all these amazing things and they're doing them out of Go such good and to try and save things from going to landfill that there really should be a platform to promote everybody who's doing these things and try and encourage more of it and inspire because I, like I, I'm a firm believer that like inspiring somebody is so contagious you inspire somebody and then they're inspiring to do something that goes on so that's why the up, that's why it's called the upcycle movement is because there was this movement going on and I wanted to create a platform which is what I did it, it first came out in 2012 as a as the upcycle movement.com where I was kind of finding people who was really interested in around the world, who were doing amazing things. Um, all of cycling different materials and all sorts of things, like anything. <laughs> and trying to just share that. So that's how it started. Um, so it was more like a blog, yeah, kind of articles Yeah, it start? Was, it was, yeah. Now, it's gone. I've gone through an awful lot of phases. It's continually really changing. Um, but the mission and the reason why I started is always the same. It's in order to inspire change my I suppose mindset as to what waste is it's not waste it's resource you know so at that time I with with my friend Gwen we had the big upcycle back in I think it was 2013 but um that was basically we had makers and designers and different people who were upcycling in Ireland get together and we had a fair kind of thing and we've got yeah it's got it's definitely gone through an awful lot of phases and that, but I always wanted to create a product as well. And I think coming back to that bag, I, again, it was a reason I wanted people to have something and be like, oh yeah, you can actually, this is valuable, you know, and it means so much more. So.
0: that That's amazing. I really wanted the upcycle, uh, the big upcycle. Sounds like a TV show. <laughs> if anyone's <laughs> out there listening.
1: Literally, <laughs> yeah, well, like. We, we actually had plans to do it this year again, but sure, look, these things happen. So at what point then,
0: because you primarily deal with wetsuits. Yeah. So when did that happen or like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, i'm curious passage. to know what was the inspiration there
1: yeah and yeah. um, it's probably like 2014 then that like i became aware of the problem of wetsuits my um ex-boyfriend at the time i was living there um in, in cork um which is his business so it's an adventure center and it's all based around water and um, so they have wetsuits and wetsuits are a main concern as to what to see with them at the end of their life fan basically because they would be replacing them every year you know at the end of every season and you're not just talking about 10 wetsuits you're talking about 100 maybe 200 wetsuits like you know an awful lot of wetsuits so because I was d- i always dabbling in you know what can you do with this what can we do with this and um, he asked me well sure do you want to is there anything you can do with wetsuits so I kind of started playing around with them but to be honest they're a really hard material to work with and I only had a domestic sewing machine that just was not up to scratch for those Um, and I was trying to sew them by hand which is no. so anyway I kind of parked it it was always there in the back of my mind and I parked it and then fast forward a few years later in 2016 I think it was I was living in Australia for a year and the whole idea of it came up again because you're you know there's so many wetsuits in Australia (laughs) and everybody surfs so I was asking them what do they do with their wetsuits at the end of their life you know do they have they kind of figured out what to do and I went around to a few different surf schools who told me that they send them either to charity shops if they're good enough to be reworn be and resold, but generally they are sent to landfill. And when I was in Australia, I was working in as a waste educator um, for a couple of the councils there as well. So I was really familiar with the different recycling centres, the processes, what they take, what they don't take. So yeah, and it kind of like reinforced the fact that it actually is an issue, and I've done an awful lot of research on it since. Um, there are people who are, you know, shredding them up, turning them into different things and stuff. But I just felt there's such a missed connection there because they have, it's such a great material. You know, it's so protective. It's really well made for its purpose, even though, unfortunately, it's not made from great materials. <laughs> but um, it, it is really well made. It's a really good, it's got so many brilliant properties and can last a really, really long time. So I thought that, well, to shred it up, is a bit, you know maybe eventually shred it up <laughs> when it literally cannot have any more but yeah so I wanted to sort of bridge that gap and turn it into products and um, and that's kind of how it all came about I kind of was just like right I, that is definitely a problem I'm going to focus on that I, I heard somebody say once you know we're all so keen at the moment especially we're also keen to try and fix the world's problems and one person it's really hard to fix for a problem but we can all take on one yeah um, challenge and at least give
0: it a go. So, so I kind of started focusing on wetsuits. Jesus, fair play to you. It sounds, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that you never think of going to landfill. You know, I have never owned a wetsuit in my life, even though I grew up in Wexford. Yeah. <laughs> we just spent swimming in our togs. Yeah, that was it. But Yes, yeah, so we'll go into those water centres. I've been to a couple, and they give you a wetsuit. Yeah, yeah I just, I never know. Really I know, and it, I, but it is really nice material, like
1: to touch, and it's it's, it's soft finished, and yeah. stretchy.
0: So, where did you find then the sewing machine to be able to to work with them if they were? Yeah, a bit well,
1: yeah, I had to kind of invest in a in a proper industrial sewing machine, and even the guy who I was at, <laughs> I went to him, I was like, right, I'm going to be sewing wetsuits. <laughs> What's your what machine do I get? And we had to do a few trials on the ones he had as well because he wasn't actually too sure because because it's bouncy as well you need um you know you need a walking foot and different things so anyway I just kind of let him guide me on that and it's been brilliant I have one and so far it's been it's kind of done the job for all the wetsuits because they're all different thicknesses as well so yeah. Yeah. I never thought about
0: that, actually. And are, to this date, are you the only person who makes them everything that, that is upcycled with wetsuits? Is that all you?
1: Yeah, mainly. Yeah. Um last year I did do a little bit of work with the Rediscovery Centre in Valley Munn, who are amazing there. And they're, it's a social enterprise. I'm sure you probably know them. Yeah, but... I've been out a few times. It's oh, such an amazing mm-hmm. centre. So yeah, good. I know. But yeah, I went in and Carrie-Anne Morin, who was working there at the time, she um, was head of fashion then there was some ladies there who were who were working and basically helping me make some of the products and things and then they would sell them in the rediscovery center as well so that was brilliant although that hasn't actually really been happening a minute (laughs) It's, it's just me but it is something like I obviously of course I want to expand and a whole part of what I do is I really want to train others and to do what I'm doing and to try and get people thinking a bit more creatively as well and come up with their own ideas and solutions and things like that and that is definitely a vision for the future but yeah at the moment it is just myself and my sewing machine
0: oh my god <laughs> fair play to you because the amount of products that you make and you've recently started of course making the ear savers um oh, for yes. people's masks and everything which seems to be flying off so
1: yeah no that's been great um I mean the idea of an ear saver isn't my own there's people have been making them for a long time um but I just thought wow you know neobrine is ideal for that because it's so light and it's soft and it's um stretchy as well it has a bit of give on it so it's ideal for that so I thought there's one to put out (laughs) yeah
0: for sure so I guess where do you get your wetsuits from now do you kind of know the certain water centers that you go to every now and again or do people like contact you with their personal wetsuits and send them to you how do you get your materials
1: yeah a bit of both um I'd say there's not a day that goes by that I don't get an email saying oh, I have a wetsuit or, you know, I, I am, like, I am literally bombarded with them. And that's, it's amazing. Um, and last year I had the opportunity to have a little thing on RTE about it. And ever since then, I've had a li- literally a constant stream of wetsuits. Um, I, I get them from an awful lot of, like, surf schools and adventure centres, places that do kayaking, sailing, dive schools. Um, but all in Ireland, I'm, I have had people contact me from abroad as well and as much as I'd love to take them it kind of for me and my values it wouldn't make sense to you know to ship them over and and stuff so yeah yeah so like another part of what I'm hoping to do in the future and I'm working on is setting up pockets of what I do globally um, and training other people to do what I do so that it's because it's a global issue you know
0: Yeah, it's more you're not in it for the profit per se, it's making a difference. That's amazing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been driven by profit. I mean, obviously, you need enough to keep the doors open. And so long as I can do what I'm doing, then I'm happy. You know, I'm just, yeah. So, I, so basically, I had to set up pockets of what I do and sort of try and expand it and make more impact that way rather than try and do it all and become, you know, I don't know, it's not really. (laughs)
0: So. <laughs> yeah so I guess if there's anyone listening maybe now you know people in lockdown yeah. thinking their lives or whatever and if this sounds like something that might be up your street maybe give Lynn a shout um, <laughs> yeah. for some online classes or something who yes. knows so right so then you have all these wetsuits so I presume there you have to go through some kind of cleaning process to get everything. Yeah before yeah. you start cutting everything so how does that happen how how do you turn a wetsuit what's the process from wetsuit to sending it out to
1: someone's house um well first of all when I receive wetsuits I always ask for them to be to be clean dry is really important as well and um, and mold free because a lot of people have contacted me and been like oh you know I've had this wetsuit in the attic for 10 years but it's actually gone a bit nasty you know so and I can't take that for obviously for health and safety reasons and also it's very hard to Turn it into something else when it's in that state. So it does have to be mold-free, um, dry, and clean. Then when I do get them, I do clean them again anyway, um, and I sterilise them using Milton. Then I let them air dry until I'm processing them. So they could be air drying for a few weeks, and um, a few months even, and um, just outside. So I like to have the air going through them. Then when I'm ready to process them, oh sorry, and then I also separate them into their different thicknesses so some might be three five eight mil so and um, I can make different things from the different wetsuits so I kind of sort them a little bit whenever I, I usually just make to order as well I don't generally make an awful lot of stock to have and that's purity as well down to just being conscious of waste I don't want to make something and nobody's going to buy it and then I'm left with all these things you know so I do make to order except for if I have a market coming up or something like that sure and um, sure. So, yeah, it depends. If if I get orders in and I know, well I need a three mil for that, I'm going to make the bag and I cut out the pattern. But usually what I do is um, open up the wetsuit entirely so you get the most of the material. And it's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. I have all my patterns. I lay them out and I try and make the most of it. So that might be cutting out the zip and I have a bag of zips and, you know, all the zips are different. Some are broken. I try to repair them, try to reuse them so yeah I'm, I'm just kind of conscious of trying to make the most make the most value out of the material and also I mean there's always bits of wetsuits that you can't they may have gone beyond repair so I have a bag of those bits as well <laughs> so um because I have hopefully plans and I'm working on a few things to do with those down the line as well but yeah just try and be as like, yeah you use everything pitching. fair play yeah so that's kind of how the process goes amazing
0: and so how what's the time frame for making each I imagine like your small purses probably I would assume take the least but I could be completely wrong your bags yeah. take the most like but, what? How, what's the yeah. kind of time frame for each project
1: and um, see it's a really hard one to gauge because it does it is in sort of stages as well so if you were to combine every, like the washing and the drying and the, all that um, it would take a long time but to actually sew like the little purses and things it doesn't take that long. Funny enough, some of the bracelets, because they're a bit more intricate, and but even though they're smaller, they, they do take more time. Things like the yoga mat strap actually is is does take more time because it needs to be really clean cut and just to sort of put it together to assemble it is is more time consuming. So it's funny, yeah, but they all take different amounts of time. But yeah I really enjoy I really enjoy working with April. It's it's lovely once you have the right machine to work with it's lovely material to work with because it doesn't fray and it's kind of it's really forgiving i really enjoy the whole process really
0: that's good yeah it makes work a whole lot easier
1: <laughs> for sure um and i didn't know that you make
0: most of the products to order which is which is mm-hmm. amazing Makes them more personal and like we said <laughs> earlier like they're all unique yeah. you have certain sections that is it oh what's it called the spotlight for yeah. it's really unique if there's different. like a, a bit different yeah uh, a colourful wetsuit or something and they're always snapped up but they look they, so yeah real.
1: and that's that's been going really well and that's again because I suppose selling on the website and um, everything has to be a little bit more uniform as possible I mean wetsuits are predominantly black so a lot of things are black and I add you know a colourful zip or whatever but in order to sell online I have to sort of think that way but I they are also unique and that's why I wanted to add the spotlight Bit in because some of them are just beautiful they have lovely detail or something and it's that little bit extra special and then the retailers I have would obviously they'd have more colourful bits and pieces as well because people can see them and touch them and feel them but in order for me like for me to be uploading different photos all the time to the website it was so time consuming so I had to streamline it a little bit and you've still
0: kept that charity flair within you that you had as a child because there's a your neo collection there's a margin your profits I'll go to seal rescue Ireland which of course yeah. we had an episode with so what's your kind of relationship with
1: them yeah, well, so I'm living in Wexford, as, as you mentioned, and they're also based in Wexford. They're about 15, 20 minutes away from me here. And for 2018, my re- New Year's resolution was to do something, to learn something I'd kn- I didn't know anything about and to do something I'd never done before um, in a volunt- in voluntary capacity kind of thing. So I knew about Sea Rescue Ireland. I knew they were there. And I thought, you know, that's perfect. I know nothing about seals. <laughs> and so in that January, I started volunteering. Um, and I was literally cleaning out kennels and um, helping feed the seals and all that sort of stuff, and it was amazing. And it really opened my eyes to well, first of all, all the work that Seal Rescue Ireland actually do on a day to day basis, but also beyond the seals, they're so environmentally aware and they're doing so many different initiatives for you know healthy seas and things like that. And in my time there, I would have seen seals coming in who were wrapped in plastic and. and um, fishing line and things like that. And it's heartbreaking. It's so awful. And especially, I mean, they have such big eyes, you know, and they're looking up at you and they're like, oh, oh they're but, um, so cute. They're just, yeah, they draw you in <laughs> and they got me big time. But yeah, so I was volunteering there. I think it was like four hours a week for three or four months during the time where I was also coming up with ideas and starting to design with the Neo collection, coming up with the Neo collection. And I mean, I didn't even have to think about it. I knew that I just wanted to donate something to them because they're completely dependent on well i think they do get a little bit of support from government but only like i think it's 98 is funded by you and i or whatever so what everything they stand for was in line with everything i was trying to do we're both connected with the ocean as well with the border and they're friends of mine now as well down there and like so yeah just without a doubt it just would fit to, yeah.
0: in perfectly yeah it's,
1: yeah, exactly. And even, I mean, down to the little things with my designs um, for the tags that the little label comes on, it's connected with a fishing line that I have literally picked up off the beach, you know, here in Wexford um, that is washed up or, or whatever. But they're all just bits of fishing line and they they attach labels on. It's kind of, it's, it's quite interconnected, all right. Yeah. It's kind of a little, you know, nod to the fact that, hey, this is why we're, doing this (laughs) yeah it's
0: all linked like the the seals are gotten it's puppin' season now and the amount of photographs i'm seeing of of poor things being entangled and everything um because of ghost nets and all like discarded fishing gear and just plastic in the ocean is a huge huge issue but also like they're just doing amazing work down there so thank you for helping them and um, well,
1: no I know you had Mel on before I've listened to your podcast before.
0: yeah oh, um, oh my I, that was one of the best days uh, most people before lockdown I, I would t- invite people into town to record but I was like I'd love to come out there <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited yeah. Um, Uh,
1: And actually, um, from last year, from 2019, I'm forgetting where we are these days. So for this year, from the sales of the Neo Collection, we've been able to sponsor a kennel in the centre for the whole year, for the whole of 2020, which is amazing. And it was one of my goals as well to get there. You know, that was kind of a goal I really wanted to achieve to be able to do that, because I think it's lovely to have the sign up over the kennel for people who have supported me and my business, which in turn supports them.
0: Yeah. um, Oh, well done it yeah is. it's such an achievement and uh, like you, it's a visual thing as well people like for yeah. anyone who ha- maybe hasn't been to Seal Rescue Ireland when you go in like they they accept visitors um, all the time not sure about lockdown but you know it, it's such That's a good place to go I don't know, yeah yeah. but <laughs> hopefully when this all lifts because they will need the support and you can go out and you can see the seals but when the seals first arrive they're they're if they don't need to be quarantined they're put into like these individual kennels and there's a sponsor Bobby each one the upcycle movement has one of yeah. them and then hopefully people will see that and then look you up as well, um, well
1: yeah exactly um yeah. no but I, I do think I mean sometimes you know people will buy things and you know 10% goes to see a rescue island or whatever but it actually does you know and I, I want people to see that as well so
0: yeah you're not it's, you're not sitting on it <laughs> and um, no it's fab yeah. it's such good work that you're doing it's amazing Lynn really you've a lot of experience in regards to waste and upcycling and reimagining things there's pretty much I mean is there anything that really can't be upcycled I saw you're working on a bench at the moment with um, straps that were used to tie down something which looks really cool <laughs> like what are some other examples the strangest things you've seen upcycled or yeah. that you've done yourself or that
1: you've seen but, no, I love this question. And actually, it's a part of the business that I didn't really foresee happening. But it's brilliant because bigger companies, companies are coming to me going, we have this waste stream. What can you do? You know, is there anything you can do with it? And I think that's I really respect them for, for approaching. Them, first of all, there are ways that we can solve these problems, redesign things, keep them out of landfill. But yeah, so those slings, basically, they're from Murphy International. They are used in, so they're a construction engineering company um, and they're used for lifting heavy things basically. So they were asking me, is there anything I can do with? So they gave me a whole bag of these slings and I was like, mm, yes. But yeah, so I started upcycling them and I was thinking about weaving them because they're really strong and they're woven, they're even stronger. And so anyway, that's what I did. And I started weaving this bench and there's a few other items as well. And they're all going to be basically displayed in their foyer. So Siemens as well, they have, so they're installing wind turbines around Ireland and the wind turbines are are brought in and they're wrapped up in this protective tarp. So they asked me, is there anything they, that I can do with them? And they had an idea of, they had a conference, a wind energy conference coming up. They wanted to give something to all the delegates made from this tarp. So what we ended up doing was making bags, because as it, when you go to any conference, you usually get a bag full of leaflets and all different types of things um, they wanted to have the bag and have the bag as a statement itself. So there was nothing in the bag. It's just you know we're promoting that they're reusing and they're rethinking in this in this sort of way. And um, so that's what those were for. And that was an amazing project as well. Really hard to work with TARP. So in terms of other things, I was when I, I when I was traveling in Peru years ago, there was um, I did the Inca Trail, and some of the sherpas there they were wearing shoes that were made from Tire, tires you know their soles are from tires um, and that was one thing that's really stuck with me too and actually there's a company now it's an American company they're kind of based in Bali but they make flip-flops out of tires they're called Indosol but one of the companies who inspires me most I think would be they're called Elvis and Cressy and they're based in London and they've oh, i never heard of them people. oh look them up! like they're so I'm writing it down weather, right now yeah, so there are a couple called Elvis and Cressy. But they, yeah, they make luxury bags and accessories out of fire hoses from the London Fire Brigade. And they give 50% of their profits back to the Fire Brigade. Wow. Uh, they make those. And they've also just joined up with Burberry as well because Burberry have an awful lot of leather waste, actually. Leather, I suppose, there's bits and pieces, you know, there might be mosquito bites on the leather on the skin, um, stretch marks, things like that. And those are things that people don't particularly want to see. In their, in their handbag or whatever. So they've been giving their waste to Elvis and Cressy and they've been making different things from those parts and they've come up with a really clever system. And actually, I have one of the things here. Oh, yeah, give us a go. So this here, if you can see it. The little patches. Uh, oh. Patches. So they're literally, they come apart. I'll show you the back. Ah, it's, oh, my a, God. It's like a puzzle. Like a puzzle piece, yeah. So these are all pieces from literally from Burberry offcuts that might just have some sort of visual thing that you know but otherwise it's perfectly good um so they're connected and then the idea is so they make rugs out of these they make bags out of these but the idea is once you're finished with those you can actually um, disassemble it and use the material again for something else oh my god that's, that's genius it's absolutely genius yeah so they're a huge inspiration for me and I went over to meet Cressy a few years ago when she was doing a workshop on, on that sort of I suppose that circular economy thinking
0: so there's yeah. there's literally a cod you can upcycle nearly everything because something yeah. yeah some things <laughs> are just going to be destined to go to landfill unfortunately yeah. you know like uh tires obviously when they go flat and everything but they're such strong materials they usually exist for a reason and yeah. And you can also, what you've done as well, is you started to make art as well. If you can't find a purpose for it, you can always yeah. do a little... Because yeah. when you got up, it reminded you, you me, I could art. see the little, your art piece behind it with the oh, stripes. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, even what I'm doing, there's always going to be off cuts or little bits, you know, as much as you try to, there's always bits that you can't, just can't use for whatever reason. And so that's what I'm working on at the moment. I'm with a friend of mine who's he's a material scientist and we're looking at ways of actually doing something with those little bits that's hopefully something that'll come in the future but something I really want to crack yeah (laughs) because I think it's important so yeah I'm working on that at the moment cool a material scientist there's a scientist for everything
0: there you go I didn't even know that (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing um before we actually move on I want to talk about now when this comes out it's going to be a couple of weeks so I don't know how old they're going to be but your birds how are your baby birds doing
1: oh I know well they'll definitely have flown by the time this has come out oh spreading the day <laughs> yeah
0: because for anyone okay for anyone listening lynn on her instagram shares this updates of a bird box that she has i don't what type of birds are they they're blue tits are they blue tits it's black and white yeah. i wasn't sure they're so cute so basically they've laid four or five one five passed away. away there was six yeah yeah There's five now as
1: of about three days ago so
0: and there's constant updates on your Instagram stories. I'm living and breathing for them every time. I'm like, ah, and the little mouth's opening to catch me. food. So is this the first time
1: you've had a bird box? It's actually the third time we have had the camera. So the third year now we've had the camera in it. And it's fascinating. It really is so fascinating. Like, they're just so smart. And I love the little teamwork between the mum and the dad, you know, when she was sitting on the eggs he'd come in and feed her and, and now they're just a little team they're going in night and in night and the birds are nearly as big as them now it's amazing how fast they grow yeah but yeah I'd say they'll fly by the weekend but no it's great it's a lovely thing to have I really think it's such a lovely connection to nature as well and to yeah it's,
0: it's so much closer than watching a David Attenborough documentary because you know this is just attached to your gaff this is in the garden or yeah. if you know where it, it is You see them going from the tree into the box, and then you're like, you know, it's lovely. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Anyone who's listening who's just like, can you get on with the upcycling, please? (laughs) A little sidetrack there. Um, Mm -hmm. We've covered so much. So, unless there's anything else you want to touch on or talk about, my last question Mm -hmm. will be what kind of general advice you have for people trying to be more eco friendly or when it comes to upcycling in particular, in regards to lockdown or
1: any time? I think my advice would just be to be to be really curious about what it is you buy and what it's made from and why you're buying it. And just think a little bit more about that. Like during lockdown, I unfortunately sort of had to shop or close my shop as in the online shop and obviously retailers aren't open and things. So I kind of had to think a little bit outside the box and I came up with the online challenge that makes you think challenge. Yeah. I, and I, I give talks and workshops in schools and different groups and things normally as well. And it's all focused on the idea of finding, you know, looking, looking, seeking out the opportunity in waste and seeking out maybe a business opportunity or a solution or whatever. And I think once you sort of have your eyes open to it, it's really it's great because you can almost train your brain to start thinking that way. And I really believe that that's what I've done myself. I purposely sort of try and find solutions for things. So that would be my advice if just to maybe think a little bit more about things and set yourself a little challenge to think outside the box a bit. And it really does start to kick in then. (laughs) Yeah. Never stop. Um, (laughs) you never stop. You'll be on this train (laughs) forever.
0: (laughs) <laughs> um yeah, yeah. your the makes you thing challenge is a lovely little challenge that everyone can get involved and in. i'll link your instagram and everything in the show notes so people can go check that out and you're on facebook and everything as well and
1: hopefully your shop will be open soon have you any idea of when you'll be able to make things again um yeah well hopefully in the next few weeks yeah so fingers crossed we'll be back up and running soon um, yeah But yeah, it's. I can't wait to get back to doing workshops and stuff. And I don't know when that would be, but
0: anyway. But hopefully, at least maybe I don't know. There might be online workshops or something. It's a it's a new, a new future we're moving into. Thank you so so much, Lynn. I really appreciate you talking to me. Okay, that was Lynn. I hope you guys took something from that interview. I certainly was inspired in a lot of ways, so hopefully you are too. And one thing I completely forgot to mention and ask Lynn about are her seal wetsuit mammies. This is something that actually Ortee picked up on in the last couple of days as well. Basically, Lynn has started with Seal Rescue Ireland sewing these kind of fake seal mothers. They're basically looks like like a mermaid's tail kind of with the with the wetsuit because we all know what a mermaid's tail looks like made with the wetsuit and it basically comforts baby seals while they're being cared for in Seal Rescue Ireland it's just something for them to snuggle up to like a comfort blanket and that's another thing Lynn has been doing with Seal Rescue Ireland recently and I completely forgot to ask her about it I got distracted by the birds so I just wanted to let you guys know about that and the birds of course have since flown the nest but if you check out the the Upcycle movement on Instagram. They do have, Lynn does have a highlight there where you can watch all the videos of the baby birds and then when they flew the nest as well. Oh, it was amazing. It's amazing to watch. And I've also linked, she sent the link to the bird box that she has. If anyone wants to get a bird box, you can do that. So I'll link that in the show notes on Book of Lee's podcast 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 podcast.com if you want to check that out and I saw a post recently Jiminy actually I saw this on they've recently started selling make your own birdhouse kits and there's no bad time to put up a birdhouse because apparently they actually start house hunting for spring around this time of year so if you're thinking oh I'll wait till next year and then I'll put up a birdhouse you can actually stick them up now because apparently Birds like to be planned with these things and look for them in advance, which is pretty cool. I didn't know that. Now... I've also linked a few blog posts that Lynn shared with me about more kind of in-depth differences between upcycling and recycling and if you were inspired by this chat from Lynn and you're thinking I would love to know how to upcycle wetsuits or if you've got maybe access to a load of wetsuits and don't know what to do with them or you know a way that you can help Lynn spread her skills, then maybe get in touch with her and something might happen. You never know. Of course, I don't want her to be inundated with messages being like, teach me your ways. But if it's something that you're interested in, Lynn is such a helpful person and I'm sure she'll get back to you with words of wisdom and possibly there will be workshops in future, which I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Then the last thing I want to say about this interview is... I want to remind you all of the impact one tiny thing can have because a huge inspiration for as she said was her brother gifting her that bag that was made from a tsunami relief tent and that basically put a little seed in her brain which is now grown into this beautiful huge movement and it's fabulous so if you're buying a gift for someone and you buy them something that's been upcycled you buy them something with a story you never know the impact that could have like you could be buying a little coin purse that's upcycled from a wetsuit for the next limb you know for for someone who will then see that and then be inspired to to start a whole new journey and everyone who sees that goes oh What's that? What's that made from? Oh, it's a relief tent, or this used to be a wetsuit, or these used to be tyres. It gets people's interest, and people, oh, it just spreads like wildfire, good wildfire. And I want to remind you all of the possibilities of that. They're endless. So it's really, really inspiring to hear these kind of stories, I think, anyway. I hope you guys think the same. And just never, never out the impact that you can have because people might think oh I'm just one person and oh this is just one bamboo toothbrush you never know who's going to see that toothbrush if you're having a few friends over to your house and you have a bamboo toothbrush there and they're like oh that's a good idea I'll do that you never never know so just keep doing what you're doing and the impact that you have is you can't always see it but it is there it is there like those women who made those bags they don't know who Lynn is they don't know Possibly, they possibly don't know what she's gone on to do, but they had that effect, and that's amazing. So don't forget that. I I love it. Oh, that's what I love. So I hope you guys, I hope you guys love that as well. I hope you're all doing well on this plastic free July journey as well. And if you've any questions or tips or suggestions, requests, please do get in touch. I'm on Instagram, Book of Loose Podcast. Twitter, Book of Lee's Pod and Facebook, Book of Lee's Podcast and of course the website as well and you can email me there too. And that I think is it. Please don't forget to share this episode, recommend it to a friend, support it on Buy Me A Coffee if you can or on Patreon and go give Lynn a follow. Check out her website. Her shop is open by the way. Oh my god, nearly forgot to say that. (laughs) Her shop is back open. She's back up and running thankfully so you can order from her online now and Yeah, go forth. Mind your wetsuits as well, of course. I don't have a wetsuit, but I think I might get one in future. And there's eco-friendly ones that you can buy too. There's a lot of eco-friendly wetsuit companies out there because people who usually... Deal in wetsuits, care about the ocean, and they don't want ocean plastic everywhere and this kind of thing. Keep an eye out when you're buying a wetsuit. Look for eco-friendly companies because there's a few. I just had a quick Google there, and there loads came up. And of course, keep an eye out on your local charity shops because some people donate them as well. But mind the ones that you do get. That is it. I hope you guys are having a lovely July and stay safe. Wear your mask. Get in touch. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And I will see you soon. Bye.